0: Welcome to the show that explores the methods and strategies on rocking the financial side of your music business. With over 40 years combined experience, here are your hosts, Chris Webb and Dave
1: Tampkin. Welcome to Musicians Tip Jar, where we talk about musicians and money. Where we wholeheartedly believe that the risk is worth it to do what you feel you are meant to do in this one life. I'm your host, Chris Webb, joined by my co-host and the guy still hiding his story of being a gymnast, Dave Damgen.
2: Do you know I was 12th in state on pommel horse in Illinois for a brief, brief 15 minutes of pommel horse fame? And I told Ann that on our first date. And she goes, that's what you're going to lead with? Not like first or second, but you're 12th? Like, there's a lot of pommel horse people. And she's like, yeah, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't start with that. She's like number one in Junior Olympics for fencing. So,
1: sorry. She is?
2: Yeah, well, she was. <laughs> but I, I guess I didn't know that. I should have asked. Are you first or second? Are you 11th or above in anything that you've done in your life? No? Well, I was
1: 12th. <laughs> I don't have any ranking of any sort, <laughs> so you guys are both better than me. Well, our quote today comes from our, from our guest, Fabiana Kalu. If you really want to succeed in line with your values, you have to be willing to take the risk. Today is part one of our excellent interview with Fabiana, and it is so packed full of eye-opening knowledge about how you should be rethinking yourself as a brand to best capitalize on today's music business. We discuss the process of structuring your music business so that it puts you in the top tier of potential earnings all that right after this
2: live stream to 30 plus platforms simultaneously expand your reach and boost your views with the number one live streaming solution in the world restream millions of people around the world use restream to reach engage and monetize their audiences their customers include professional and amateur gamers fortune 500 companies media politicians celebrities and definitely musicians Restream keeps nurturing their product portfolio to empower content creators to reach wider audiences, and brands to spread their messages throughout a massive network of streamers. They offer multi-streaming to reach a wider audience, a scheduler to automate your recorded videos live, enjoy your day while your streams go off without a hitch, engage viewers in a multi-chat, forget about tab switching from multiple platforms, and you can't aim for success if you can't see your target measure your success, and get insights on your live stream across all 30 plus platforms on a single screen. Go to MusiciansTipJar.com forward slash deals to grab your seven-day free pro trial today. Welcome back, everyone. This week's nonprofit is org. Established in 1985, Women in Music is a 501c3 nonprofit organization committed to advancing equality, visibility, and opportunities for women in the musical arts through education, support, empowerment, and recognition. Diverse global community, WIM, encompasses chapters around the world from L.A. to Japan. Whether you're looking for advice, building your network, or eager to help advance others, there's a way to participate in the Women in Music community. Learn more at womeninmusic.org.
1: And make sure you rate and subscribe to our podcast. Leave us a comment. Go to this website we have built for you with all those resources and the discounts that have been collected. And while you're there, sign up for that weekly newsletter where we'll connect you to other related articles that will help keep you up on the finance side of your music business. Before we go into this interview with Fabiana, I want to ask you if you know what value your business is set up to give. And what value you're set up to receive. Is your brand ready to give level four value? Or are you spending all your time stuck in level one? If you're asking me what the hell are these levels, well, that's fair because we haven't discussed them yet. (laughs) But that very well might change the way that you think about your business and what you are doing with all of your talents. Our guest, Fabiana Clarure creates financial and artistic prosperity for musicians so that they can win back their time and build a legacy without sacrificing the quality of life. As a concert pianist, university educator, entrepreneur, and a business coach for musicians, Fabiana has helped thousands of musicians create new income. She's about to do all that for you, too, as we dive into our interview with music business coach Fabiana Clarur.
2: Today we have Fabiana Clare. She's a concert pianist, entrepreneur, and musician's business coach. Welcome to Musician's Tip Jar.
3: Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here.
2: We've been waiting to have you on for three weeks, so we're very excited to have you here. And we gave a little bit about your bio before um, we went into this interview, but can you give us a little bit about your background?
3: Absolutely. I'm a pianist, and most of my career, that was my main thing. I was always focusing on becoming the best musician that I could be, and I soon started teaching as well. And uh, it was really towards the end of my doctoral studies that I started to discover the business side of music and realized that there was a lot more that I needed to learn, (laughs) that music alone wasn't going to cut it. And it really didn't occur to me to start looking into the business side of music until the end of my career uh, at least of my studies and and when i did uh, i started you know taking some music business courses fortunately my university had an amazing music business program and i started learning about the the, the what it is to become an entrepreneur right not just to think about ourselves as uh, creatives who are fulfilling our own desires through art and expressing ourselves and fulfilling our creativity but Now, how do we turn that into a solution for others? Like those were questions that I had never really asked myself for most of my life, really. Uh, And it it just, it just opened up a whole new possibility for me. And I really became super passionate about diving hundred percent into it. And my husband is also a concert pianist. So the two of us were in this process of like, now what do we do? We've we've taken all the degrees we can, (laughs) like there's no more degrees available for us to do. And, And the two of us are like in the same career and being in academia for so long, the only path that we had thought was next for us was getting a university job in, in teaching piano. Uh, but that involved someone giving us that job, right? It's not like we could just go and take it. So when we got to the end of our studies, we realized, well, i it's really like when I started looking at the statistics of how many people graduate from music programs versus how many faculty openings there are each year. Uh, I, that actually became the topic of my dissertation was all about looking at how, what are the trends that musicians need to consider when deciding how to keep their careers active at beyond school and how to concert pianists create performance careers. Uh, and what are, what are the trends that allow them to stay active when they're not just with a full-time job? And, and I discovered that we needed to become actually entrepreneurs because that's the only way we were going to take ownership of our career, become empowered to build it on our own terms. And so During that final year in our doctorate studies, we created our business. We decided let's just build a school and let's find a way to to just make it happen uh, so that we don't have to wait for someone to pick us when we finish. We don't have to just be like, pick me, pick me, pick me. So we just decided to do it by necessity, really, even though it it was an innovation, it was an idea, it was also a need. And that drove us to take action and not play around with it. Uh, And so... We were able to get a lot of support within the context of university. I always tell my students, you know, this is like one of the best moments to start a business is when you're actually in your busiest time as a student, when you think you can't do anything else than study. Thanks to becoming, you know, an entrepreneur inside a university, we were actually able to start our business. And as we graduated, we had a business because we used the resources that the university provided, the mentorship, the network, the support. Uh, And so we managed to finish both the doctorate degree and start a music school. And this was now 11 years ago. Um, And so for the first five years, it was a huge learning. It was like someone with a fire hose, just like, you know, it was so much learning. We were not expecting uh, what a life as a, as an entrepreneur would be because we were pianists. That's all we did all our life. Um, And it was a lot of learning, uh, learning by fire, as they said, uh, and, within five years after having overcome the first few lessons of becoming an entrepreneur and learning how to run a business, we actually hired many of our classmates who were graduating also alongside of us and falling off the cliff of like, now what do I do? We were able to hire them and give them employment within our school. And it felt wonderful really to to build something on our own and feel the sense of empowerment. It took a lot of risk because we had no funds. We had to really be resourceful in finding the, re- we we actually opened a brick and mortar school in a, in a mall, like a storefront. It was like a lot of investment. We signed a lease, you know, it was like we were putting all our eggs in the basket there. It was like, there's no backing out, you know. Um, And it was just great to be able to, to go through the journey of learning full of ups and downs. And after five years, I felt that I had reached a plateau in my life. We had our first son and I knew that I I wanted to help in a new way. I felt like I had achieved this incredible milestone of building a business, but I knew that there was more out there for me. So, not surprisingly, when we set an intention in our lives and we start looking for more opportunities, pretty quickly they tend to appear because we're looking for them. And within a few days, really, the opportunity to come to the University of North Texas kind of fell on my lap. I got an email. Um, And we had lived in Dallas before we went to SMU. We did our master's and artist certificates degrees in this area. So we always were, you know, fond of this area. We remembered the DFW Metroplex with a lot of fondness and we loved the idea of coming back one day. And that just kind of fell on my lap. And it was an opportunity to to come in and to build a university program for musicians to learn how to build businesses. Mm -hmm. And even though I had never taught this formally in academia, I had always taught music related courses and piano I just fell in love with the idea. It just sounded so exciting for me to be able to share with other musicians what I had learned in my five year journey at that time. And of course, at that time, my husband was like, yeah, but what are we going to do with our school? Like we have a brick and mortar business here. We can't just leave it and move to Texas. And at that point I was like, well, let's not worry about it. I mean, I knew what the statistics were of people getting academia jobs. So I was like, who knows if I'm even going to get it? I mean, wow, let's cross that bridge when we get there. Let's just not worry about it. I'm just going to apply. And he told me, but if you get the job, you're going to want to take it. I was like, well, we'll see. And he was right. I did get the job and I did want to take it. So (laughs) long story short, within eight months, we had to figure out what we were going to do because I wanted this opportunity, but we had a music school and a son in Florida. So we spent eight months restructuring our school so that it could continue running without us there. And as we moved to Texas, I took on the opportunity to start the program at UNT it was a tremendous challenge and a wonderful, like, new beginning for my career. I had been five years running my school, and I had a two-year-old, and I was now starting this new phase of my life. And I did it with all my passion. And I really enjoyed it. And my husband took the reins of our school, and he had to learn to manage it remotely. And the first year was crazy. There was a lot of trial and error. But after the first year, believe it or not, our our school actually grew more without us because we were working on the business versus in the business right? Before we moved to Texas, the two of us were full-time doing all the things from teaching piano to students, to recruiting students, to billing, to managing, to cleaning the academy. Like we did all the roles. And of course, what happens in a business when you're doing all the roles, it won't grow because as a CEO, as an entrepreneur, you're just stuck in the doing versus growing the business and really working on the business. But when we removed ourselves, From the business, by necessity, once again, by necessity, we actually had to become more efficient and optimize everything and it grew more. So we started joking that the best thing we could have done for our business was to leave it (laughs) because it actually became even more profitable than when the two of us were there full-time. But this was an eye-opening experience because it informed my perspective in coaching musicians. From the beginning, I told them, hey, you want to build a business that can potentially work without you one day or at least not depend on you so intricately right uh, and that has become my center like message as i've gone now after 5 years of running the university program and bringing it to national rankings it became one of the top 50 music business schools in the country for each of the 5 years that i was running it in 2020 i reached a corner i turned a corner again and the funny thing is that every time i get these moments in my career There's five years that I've been doing that and I happen to have a two-year-old around. So this time around, I had another two-year-old around and it had been five years I had been in my business and in in the university. And I decided, you know, I want to expand even further. I want to help musicians, not just in academia, but all around the world. And that led me to create the Musician's Profit Umbrella, which is the business mentorship program that I built back in 2020, a few months before march actually started it in january little did i know what was going to happen in march of 2020 Mm -hmm. that the world would turn upside down and musicians would need me more than ever to show up online and to help but i didn't know that i just started kind of playing with it and exploring and seeing what would happen if i were to start just sharing this online and just becoming more visible Um, and then since then uh, i started the program i launched it in 2020 and after a year of kind of keeping both things going my school i mean my program with the university job, the full-time job, I, I came to a turning point where I knew I needed to to get give, give up something. I couldn't keep going. And so I actually, last year, I made the decision of stepping out of academia and diving 100% into my coaching business to be able to really give it my all and build a lifestyle that is uh, free of burnout and overwhelm. I, I didn't want to continue working so hard. I was burned out. Uh, even though I was very successful in doing all these things, I was losing quality of life. I was not able to take care of myself physically. Uh, You know, I was very busy and I had two young kids, you know, and so just I just decided to leave that uh, that experience, even though it was a fantastic experience. Uh, It was scary. I'll tell you, it's not like I did it because my business was just growing so much. I couldn't keep up with all the money. Like, no, it it was a risk. I was actually like I took a risk because I said, I just gonna, if I really want to succeed and do it in alignment with my values, I have to be willing to risk. Um, and so I risked just like I risked when I left my school in Florida and moved to Texas. And, you know, just like I risked when I opened the school from the beginning, finishing the doctorate, it was all about taking these risks. But I'm incredibly grateful that I now have been able to help literally thousands of musicians, both within academia as well as outside of academia, create businesses from brick and mortar businesses, nonprofits, festivals, online businesses, all the gamma. Uh, and really most recently in the last two years helped musicians create five and six figure breakthroughs in a matter of months by putting themselves into the online arena and really packaging their skills into the online space so that's a long story but that's that's kind of where i'm where where i come from and where i'm at now
2: well you could definitely hear the passion in your voice for sure Mm -hmm. And you know, I know we're concentrating on what you're offering now, but I look forward to you have three more years until your next business and another child on the way, <laughs> and so you're you're gonna have to get ready for you know this pattern that you've created for yourself of success and children.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> you started out with saying that you wanted to be the best musician that you could be, and it seems like along the way that every new entrepreneurial goal that you had, you wanted to be the best entrepreneur you can be as well. Can we start where that passion is, which is why I think musicians make such great entrepreneurs. And when I talk at universities, the musicians are sitting their eyes wide open, not realizing that they're the hardest working humans around, as far as I'm concerned, for the amount of hours they put into their craft. So can you give us the similarities, maybe from where you started to want to own your instrument to the similarities of wanting to own your career?
3: I love that question. What a great question. And I have a really cool answer that you're going to like. Did you know what the earliest definition of an entrepreneur came from? The Oxford English Dictionary defined an entrepreneur in 1897 as one who puts up musical performances. I kid you not. The earliest definition of an entrepreneur in the Oxford English Dictionary defines an entrepreneur as one who puts up musical performances. Why? Well, think about it. The musicians at that time, they were hustlers. They did all the things. They sold the tickets, they found the patrons, they rented the space, they conducted the musicians, they wrote the music, they, like, they did it all. Mm-hmm. There were no more entrepreneurial people in the society than musicians. So that actually influenced the definition of what an entrepreneur is actually conceived to become. And when I learned that, I was like, oh my gosh, so this is nothing new. This is the way it's always been. And it's only later in the 20th century that the musician became this like like rock star, right? With lists and, you know, where they were just like, like celebrities and they kind of got detached and then became the managers and people like, and they started getting themselves more, you know, distance from the business side because they were like the artists not to be. But if you think about it, the earliest musicians they were artisans, they were creators, they were entrepreneurs, you know. And so that always reminded me that in music and in business, there's so many similarities because we have to adapt to change. When we turn when we step on stage, we don't know what's going to happen. We could have practiced everything that we wanted and have you know honed on a craft, but there's no guarantee that the way we were just playing in the practice room is the way it's going to actually sound on stage. And we all know what it's like when something doesn't go the way you want it. And stage. you can't just cut the show and say, let's do another take. I'll start all over again. You got to keep going and you have to be innovative and you just have to adapt to the challenges. Well, that's the same thing in entrepreneurship. When we start a business, we have no guarantee that it's going to work. We just have to be willing to give it our best shot. And then things happen and economies collapse. And here comes a pandemic or here comes the inflation or here comes whatever. And we just need to continuously be moving and adapting. And so as musicians, we have those reflexes built in into our DNA because that's how we became who we are. And so I am super excited about this question because I am a firm believer to becoming good business people because we have these skills already built in to our everyday practicing of our craft.
1: I want to follow up on that a little bit because I always think that in, I've, and I've that's fascinating about the entrepreneur definition.
3: Isn't that awesome?
1: And I, I just love it because it, it is, it's almost like we've come back to that now. Right. And in that, and in that everything we, we have to create is up to us. Right. And, and I, I, it's almost like what you're saying is that there was a small increment where that wasn't as true and, but it's back right in a sense, like it started that way and it's there now. Um, I feel like musicians are are equipped better to roll over to failure. We're used to being told no a hundred times for that one yes right we're mm-hmm. used to we're used to being conditioned to accept getting something wrong twenty times in your song until you practiced it enough to get it right right and we're We're also used to having to continually find new ways to make ourselves succeed. Mm-hmm. I was curious like what other ways aside from education do you help your clients, your, your artists create passive type income?
3: You know, one of the greatest epiphanies that I've had, especially since I started my own business, is, you know, the program is called the Musician's Profit Umbrella, because the essence is that I believe, and I've seen this happen over the years, that musicians have the greatest chances of creating wealth when they stop doing so many different things that make them little money and instead focus on creating an online brand. They package themselves into an online brand. And they compile all of the different things they were doing but create one way to really serve through some sort of a teaching program some sort of a coaching program a combination of the two but i feel that musicians are not taught i know that because i went through training uh that actually we can we can create wealth not only by doing all of the things meaning teaching one-on-one performing on stage doing all the things that musicians do but by packaging our skill sets and helping people through our expertise you see there are four levels of value i don't know if you're familiar with myron golden's four levels of value but this is something that i am so passionate about because most musicians don't know this The lowest level of value is the implementation level value, which means people that work with their hands and are confined by time. So we're talking construction workers. We're talking people who work at restaurants, people who, you know, who are working with their hands all the time, musicians who depend on like being in a room with student in order to make money and they can't make any other money other way. That's the level that key musicians kept at a certain age, really not beyond $80,000 a year. Like that's the, that's the most it could go. After that, then there's the unification level where now you're managing other people and you're using your managerial skills. You're not using so much your body. You're not using so much the you know, the, the time that you're spending with people, you're using your managerial skills. But there's still a cap. Like here, we're talking about people who manage others, who leverage a little bit the work of others, but they're still confined to being stuck in that managerial role, right? Usually the income goes up to 250000 and rarely exceeds that. But at least you're better than the one doing all the things. As you go higher, there's two more. There's the communicator. The communication level is where you're now creating content becoming a speaker, becoming an author, creating messages that resonate with hundreds of people and that create impact and cause change, right? These are authors. These are, for example, singers, songwriters, composers who are putting their work that can be replicated and amplified by others. Like that's the third level of value where you can make each, at each level, your income increases, right? So at the third level, then you're now maxed out at almost a hundred thousand, a hundred million dollars is like usually the maximum that speakers and authors and presenters can make because there's a higher perceived value. And the final, the fourth and the final level of value is the imagination. Here's where you're now working just through your mind and in using your ideas to create money. Here are the Steve Jobs. Here are the Walt Disneys. Here are the people who are putting ideas, Elon Musk, that that are creating incredible businesses. And they're just thinking in them into reality. And the the math, there's no cap in terms of income. But this doesn't mean you have to be Steve Jobs to be able to work at the imagination level. Musicians can work at the imagination level too when they build online programs that allow them to use their ideas to make money versus just their hands and their time. So for me, when I discovered that, I have built my business around that higher, those higher two levels of value where I help musicians through my ideas they get results. And so they pay me for that, Mm -hmm. right? I help musicians through my message, through communication, what I'm doing right now, you know, sharing with you all, like that creates value. And so I help my clients and I believe musicians have a greater chance of making incredible wealth happen and prosperity when they try to go upper in the higher levels, like work higher, not harder.
1: Yeah, that's excellent.
2: makes me think of when... I moved from chicago to colorado how many gigs i needed to play just to make an income and then going from a larger city to a smaller one and having the payout be so much smaller i was at a point where there i I can't possibly play another gig in a week i'm Mm -hmm. capped And at just one level, just as far as you would say, how many students you can get per week, you're capped at physically being there that amount of times. And, you know, Chris, I think this goes into the next question as far as, you know, um, not only being an expert in your business and how to grow your prices because of demand. I think that Chris and I have both learned that we we won't show up for less than we have a value that we we know that this is what we're worth. And that's changed a lot of our you know time and the way we get to spend with family. So I guess when I was reading your bio and what your class teaches too, you talk about going from low-ticket, high-volume clients to a high-ticket, low-volume clients. And I think at the basic scale, that's where I started with the gigs.
3: What I'm really centered right now, what I'm focusing on is helping musicians create high ticket online ways of helping people, whether it's teaching music, whether it's coaching, whether it's using all of their different skills into some sort of a program, but it's all about packaging it into an online delivery mechanism, basically giving people access to your brain. Because remember, that's the highest way you can add value and the highest way you can earn income. So when I talk about high ticket programs, I basically help my clients who are usually at the starting point, they're very burned out, they're teaching a lot of one-on-one lessons, or they're depending on the time they're on stage, where they're physically having to be in a stage in order to make money, get on a plane, travel, etc. And I show them how to build an offer, an online offer, that they don't need a massive amount of people to serve, that they can start working with a handful of clients and, and start with a price point that aligns with their particular financial goal. So I've had clients that have created online programs, whether they're teaching instruments, they're teaching other things, um, and then they package them at like $5,000 and above. And within a matter of months, they you know, have six-figure breakthroughs because they don't need that many people. They just need to know how to package their skills in an online way that attracts their ideal type of client and with just one or two or three clients, they start building a revenue stream while they're still performing, while they're still doing all the things they love to do, but not because they have to. They get to choose what they want to keep versus depending on that income to make a living. So I kind of take a step back and change the paradigm for musicians in a significant way. Uh, I tell them, it's not like you're going to stop performing. In fact, for me, this was one of the challenges because as you, as, as I shared, you know, I'm a pianist, like this is my to my core. Like I've been a musician all my life. And I don't want to give that up to become a businesswoman and be be a business owner. But for many years I struggled with connecting my artistic side with everything I was doing in my career. I was running a music program, a university, all these things. And I didn't understand what the relationship was for me to just be able to sit down and practice with everything I was building. So I kind of took a backseat. But as I mentioned, you know, usually as musicians, this talent that we have for music, this gift can become a curse if we don't nurture it and it could lead us to miss it and to feel that something is void in our soul because we love we love it and like it's it's who we are like we're stuck with it to a certain extent we can't just ignore it because when you do it comes back and bites you so that happened to me and i said wait a minute there needs to be a better way and that's when the idea of the musician's prophet umbrella came to me because it finally clicked to me that everything i was doing as a pianist was part of what I needed to do for my business, because now it's all about putting together all of my aspects as a musician and building a brand and a message and a curriculum that attracts fellow musicians, right, Uh, and connects with them. So therefore, now my playing side of my life was part of my business. It was part of my brand. It was part of my credibility, right? And so now it all makes sense. And I have lots of clients who struggle with that too, who are like, yeah, but what does this have to do? But I really want to do it it's when you understand what your like positioning needs to be in the marketplace and how your creativity feeds into that and is actually integral part of it, then it all comes together. Now, when I sit down at the piano to practice, whether or not I have concerts, I still play concerts. I just came from Charleston International Piano Series a couple of months ago. And I loved being on stage. I loved performing for a live audience. I had a great time, but my income doesn't depend on that. Hmm. I have an online business that is. The way I'm able to secure my finances and create that recurring revenue and grow my business, which by the way, grows with or without me involved in every aspect of it. Because there's systems in place, there's team in place, and I now have a way to make things work, certainly not totally automatic, but to a certain extent without me being a part of everything, just like I do with my music school. You know, So that's kind of the main vision and philosophy that I have behind the program.
1: So if we were to to talk to someone that that is maybe doesn't see themselves quite as the no. expert yet, like a lot, a lot no. of the students that you probably see at the university, you know, a lot of time it, it takes time to build the confidence behind considering yourself an expert. But what, what are some ways that you think someone can position themselves as an expert and, and be able to raise their prices confidently?
3: I love that question. And let me tell you, this is not just with students. I have clients who are 60 years old, 70 years old, and still don't think they're an expert at anything. You know, this is something that musicians carry really deeply ingrained in their subconscious, this imposter syndrome, this feeling of not being good enough. Um, because as you said, you have to get no 100 times before you get a yes in order to make it to an audition or to get this job or to get this thing. Um, and so this is actually something that I, I really love talking about because you can't think your way to confidence, okay? I can tell you all day long, you know, you guys are great. You guys should believe in yourself. Dave, you're amazing. Chris, come on. You should. You can do it. Like, I can talk you into your. No,
2: with your expertise, as much as you know, I, if you said that to me, I, I would take that as a huge compliment from everything that you've done <laughs> with your life it. so far. I'd I be like, it. yeah, okay, thank you. <laughs> I'm just it. saying.
3: I love it. <laughs> I love it. But here's the thing. Go ahead. It helps musicians feel confident. <laughs> is directly engaging with their clients. It's directly connecting with their potential audience and hearing firsthand from them what their needs are. It's really through those conversations when musicians get to see firsthand the potential impact of their work and they get to see, okay, ask questions and really investigate That's when it all comes together and that's where the confidence starts coming because your interactions with your potential clients and your ability to learn and hear their stories and their struggles and your feeling of like, oh, I could help you with this thing, whatever that thing is. Mm -hmm. That's when you start gaining confidence, when you start connecting with people. That's how I like to help my clients gain confidence. And I found throughout the years that it's the quickest way for them to gain confidence Obviously, we talk about mindset, Well, it's not until they have their first actual conversations with real potential clients who are like, oh my gosh, this thing you just said, it just really, really impacted me. And they're like, oh, oh, wow. Okay. I guess, I guess I do have something to offer. You know what I mean? So I love love bringing in my clients and bringing them, giving strategies, investigate firsthand, what their ideal client needs and make informed decisions, data-driven decisions, basically, regarding the viability of their idea versus just from their head.
1: And I think that I think you you get little minor versions of that when you are performing and you see someone being so moved by your performance. I think that kind of is a similar at least that's how I, I relate to that, because I always look for that one person in the audience that is experiencing it that way. Yeah. And I, I stick to them the rest of the night in order to <laughs> give my best, you know?
3: Yeah, absolutely. Confidence wow. comes from action. Clarity comes from action, you know? Mm. Clarity comes from action. Confidence comes from action. And there's no shortcut to that. You can think your way through confidence and you can be told that you're, but when you really start interacting with people, that's when you really get that confidence. And it comes quickly. It comes really quickly.
2: That was an awesome interview Chris. She was fantastic to speak to and I'm so glad we had the opportunity to have her on musicians tip jar.
1: Yeah, I mean what a treat. I mean just she's so well organized, you know, and with the way that she presents things that I I so appreciate when it's very clear. Uh, when you're being introduced with new information. I mean, so often the reason that we don't understand things is because the way that they're presented is too complicated, right? And perhaps that's you know coming from her educator, her background of being such a quality educator. But I absorbed so much from that short conversation.
2: Yeah, I went on and uh, I signed up for her Facebook group too and um, also her weekly live show every Thursday at 1 p.m. Central. And it's just been amazing. She even has a great team too that, uh, you know, we'll describe later in episode two, but uh, they've already reached out to me too, just to see how they could help in any way for my music career and business endeavors. So great team.
1: And we haven't really discussed too much about how to become an entrepreneur and start a business. And, you know, we've kind of made that clear that you should and you have to do those things but we you know it's nice to have somebody that this is where they focus this is where their their talent is focused in on helping musicians begin that process and establish that platform in which all of their income will then be based off of
2: i thought that was a nice transition you did from discussing her background into okay now let's discuss not being picked let's not do things where we don't have control over it. So, what are you going to do to make it happen? Taking your strengths and, as she said, packaging them into something that is profitable and, you know, fulfilling for your life.
1: And at some point, recognizing that you'll be better serving that concept and this goal that you have as uh, as a business or as a brand, that you'll you'll do better serving by working on that business versus in that business that's a hard one for most musicians to accept
2: yeah because their business began with putting so much time in being there to practice to become a musician you're in it you know so it's not like you're so much working on it You know, and you have to make that change where you have to let that control
1: go. Yeah, there's a lot of letting go of control. I feel like that we we kind of brush over in all these different topics of of how to become the most uh, successful financially as you can. It's interesting how often it comes back to letting go of control. The early definition of an entrepreneur, I'm going to use that one forever. That's for sure, yeah,
2: absolutely. With her definition of entrepreneur, it's also changing, as she said, the paradigm of giving up playing music to making money in a business that that does not have to change. It's one and the same. Let's go over you know you put a link in the notes and then we'll put that in the show notes as well. Uh, the Myron golden four levels of value,
1: yeah, and there's some great videos on this too if you look it up on YouTube. So there's lots of places where you can learn more about this, but the way that we'll just summarize what she kind of used it by applying directly towards the musician's aspect. The first level was implementation, which is working with your hands, confined by time, which is what we're always doing when we're, trying to play as many shows as we can, for example, but there's only seven days in a week and most people want their shows in the evening. So you are limited, right? So there is always a limit to the implementation level. Uh, and there's also a max unusual uh, amounts of income you can make. The second level was uh, unification, which is what we would refer to in, in musicians as, as managing others. This can be a booking agent sometimes. This This can also be like the band leader, for example. Uh, So there's ways. There's a lot of different variations within recording, you know, that this can be applied. But this this is definitely moving on up, right? And then we get to the communication, which is that that third level, uh, which was kind of creating the content. Uh, Songwriters fall into this category, uh, creating that impact that that uh, the change that makes it a bigger deal. And this this is. Really where I think a lot of musicians always need to make sure that a part of their business is always growing that third level from the beginning. Uh, But that's why we're talking about this right now is because some of us are probably already doing this, but maybe we're not giving this section as much attention as we focus on level one, right? When we're booking shows, booking shows, perhaps songwriting gets put away or at least ignored to the point where it's not making as much of an impact. And then the level four was imagination, which, is, as she said, is where you really want to try to get to. It in, in the end of your of your growth, as your business goes, that's working with ideas to create. That would be like the Steve Jobs and the Walt Disneys. And I, I would even argue that you know, if you looked at musicians, that would be some of these big innovators, like you know, some of the Beatles and. I would say all the Beatles. It's not fair to say some. <laughs> they, they, all, they created new ideas with their music and their art and their brand, right? They created yeah. something that is so massively beyond them. And people want to hear them talk about it, right? That's, that's kind of like what defines that imagination level.
2: I enjoy listening to Lady Gaga talk about that and even Beyonce too, how they've changed that.
1: Absolutely. Those are great examples as well.
2: When we were talking about number four, and you know, I was bringing up the fact that uh, you know I do marketing and do other things within that realm of music, you know, she brought up the imposter syndrome, and even when I listened back to the interview, I felt it again because if I could have went back, I would have said I'm a marketing specialist because I spend most of my time studying marketing on a weekly basis to know how technology is changing and how I can better represent my clients and to their customers. And when I heard myself say expert, while I was explaining that, I even cringed a little bit because I don't know if I feel like an expert. I feel like I put in enough time to be one, but it's always changing the idea of advertising and marketing and just even the way someone listens to your music and how music progresses over time. How are you adapting to that as a songwriter? So that imposter syndrome really (laughs) hit home for me, not only the first time she said it, but the second time when I listened (laughs) back to it.
1: (laughs) I mean, but they always say that the first step into resolving an issue, which I would consider the imposter syndrome to be an issue that blocks you from your full potential the first thing to do is to recognize it and start talking about it so you can talk it out, right? I mean, as she said, it's like what you what you do to replace that feeling is discuss your talents, discuss your your passions and start to recognize how much you do know about those things, how much you do have to offer and how many people would love to get that information from you, right? You are 100% an expert. I'm just going to tell you that because I watch all these things that you do to help this podcast thrive. And I know that these are things that I have no idea how to do. I really don't.
2: (laughs) She has a free 90-minute guide to packaging your skills into a profitable online music business on her website. And it's just off the beaded path a little bit, but I'm sure she uses it, you know, to incentivize, um, you know, emails. But it's fantastic. I watched the whole 90 minutes. So I'll put that link in the notes as well for everybody.
1: Great. And our one action step for the week is to apply these four levels of value to your business income sources and then see how they rank. And we know your time is valuable and we appreciate you spending this time with us and being a part of this community. It's our hope that you find that sense of community here at Musicians Tip Jar and that we're helping you. And by that, you are then helping spread the word for us to make us all stronger. What's the best way to get a hold of us, Dave? You can reach
2: us at MusiciansTipJar.com or send us an email at MusiciansTipJar at Gmail.
1: And if we want to connect with our guest, Fabiana.
2: Yes, you can go to dot com.
1: Or go in the show notes and click on the link. That it, too. It can be hard to spell, right?
2: um, I spelled it real easily right there because I read it off of uh, notes. I don't know if I, it probably would be more difficult if I didn't have it in (laughs) front.
1: Well, as always, thank you for joining us. Remember, there is already enough for everyone. You just need to know how to offer it. Until next time, on behalf of Dave Tampkin and myself, Chris Webb, please stay safe, stay healthy, and take care of each other. Your ideas and experiences are one of a kind, so share them. This is Musician's Tip Jar.
0: On this show, should be considered specific, personal, or professional advice. Please consult an appropriate tax, legal, business, or financial professional for individualized advice. Individual results are not guaranteed, and all discussed strategies have the potential for profit or loss. The hosts are operating on behalf of Musicians Tip Jar LLC exclusively. 18 plus.